0: normal news. <laughs> this is the... This is Lunduk's normal computing news for Wednesday, November 9th. What the heck was that? In the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, my name is Lunduk, and this, is again, is the normal computing news. The, the weird news happens on the weekend because we let our hair down and we go all mulledy, right? So basically, So basically, what I'm saying is... Wednesday is the is the business up front, and uh, Sunday is the party in the back. The normal news, the weird news. We talk about all the big techie stuff today. Uh, before before we dive into the news, uh, a little bit of business to get out of the way. We are here at the Lunduke Journal, formally closing off the lifetime subscription option. I uh, we aren't going to let any new lifetime subscribers in starting uh like Monday night. Uh like end of the end of the day like midnight Mon not Monday, Friday. Midnight Friday. geez I'm just trying to confuse all of you. Uh, it's Friday, November 11th at midnight, I'm going to turn off the the lifetime subscription option. Uh it's it's been a fantastic thing. It's the lifetime subscriptions the Lunduke journal have have really been wonderful they have allowed the Lunduke journal to kind of bootstrap itself a lot of you who who really felt like there there was something special here were able to put your money where your mouth is and sort of help help really bootstrap this whole thing and, and make it happen and because of the people who grabbed a lifetime subscription we haven't needed to to take advertising dollars from any company, big or or small. No advertising, no sponsorship, no nothing, and that's been amazing. Uh, truly, all of you, I, I, I wish I could high five every single one of you, and I I hope someday I can. Uh, all of you will, st- all of your lifetime subscriptions are still for life right they're if they're good forever they're honored until the end of time and if you pick it up between now and end of day friday so that's like uh two days from now uh yours will be honored until the eternity ends and the sun s- explodes or whatever as well um no no, no pressure to do so of course uh, i just kind of wanted to give everyone a day or two heads up before i <laughs> nixed it and kind of kind of put the kibosh on the uh, lifetime subscription options and the reason that i'm i'm killing it off now is that the Lunduke journal is growing a lot. Uh, new subscribers are coming in all the time. Hello, new subscribers! Free subscribers and standard subscribers and all of you, all of you, welcome! It's great to have you here. This is the nerdiest place on earth, and it's it's full of joy and it's full of even more joy now that all of you are here. But because, because it's growing so fast, it just it just really doesn't make business sense to keep a lifetime subscription option going anymore so we're gonna we're gonna nix it um, so it's no more new subscribers new lifetime subscribers on friday you can still get the regular monthly regular yearly or the founding member subscriptions of course which are which are also yearly but no more lifetime as of friday so if you want it go grab it it is a good deal if you want it it, it doesn't hurt me at all if you get it, it, it but i'm just gonna gonna kill it off then and uh, boop, no more all right on to the news. First off, I gotta uh, the the first news we have to talk about today is the net worth of Apple. Uh, this is mind blowing to me. So uh, it is reported over at uh, I believe this is Yahoo Finance reported this. Apple finished Wednesday's session of this last week with a two point three one trillion dollar market cap according to yahoo finance data alphabet amazon and meta were worth 2.3 trillion so 2.31 trillion for apple alphabet amazon and meta for 2.3 trillion combined so alphabet google uh, amazon with all of the things that they do and meta facebook all combined together smash them into one of the biggest most awful companies you can imagine and they're worth a bit less they're worth like 10 billion dollars less than apple amazing i mean that is that is mind-blowing for someone who was around when when Apple was on the verge of bankruptcy, practically dying, begging for crumbs at the feet of Bill Gates. Do you guys remember? Do you remember when, uh, I believe it was Macworld San Francisco, when uh, Steve, was it Macworld San Francisco or was it one of the WWDCs? Now I'm getting my various Mac conferences of from 20 plus years ago all mixed up in my head. But the one where where Steve Jobs was announcing the the some of the partnership work with Microsoft. And he had Microsoft behind him on the uh, or Microsoft's Bill Gates behind him on the big screen. And Bill Gates was like, I'm really looking forward to working together again, Steve. And it was everyone was like, Oh my lord, what is happening here? Because Microsoft purchased a bunch of Apple stock and made an investment into Apple. And uh, it was it was and then and then Apple devices, Macintoshes, back when Mac OS 8 and Mac OS 9 was out. They started shipping with Internet Explorer as the browser, right? And they started pushing Microsoft Office rather heavily. And it was you know, it was kind of a bit of mutual back scratching, but it felt dirty. For a lot of Apple users at the time, because oh my gosh, you just let Bill Gates basically buy your soul, and it, in order to keep Apple alive, because Apple was on the verge of just going out of business, and now here they are, and I, I want to say that was like a hundred and fifty million dollars, like it was it was a lot of money, but I, I want to say it was something like that. It was it, I want to say it was like a, so hundreds of millions or something, and now two. Point three one trillion 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 1000000000000 that's not even a real number you, you know what I mean like uh, I, I used to have this friend that that had a hard time fathoming m- money once you got into the millions like he's like you know what I when I think about millionaires I count 1 million 1 million dollars 2 million dollars and then after that it's just many million you know he's like after that like this how much how many millions do you have i don't know more than two many million (laughs) trillions it gets into this this just mind boggling like what can you do with with a trillion dollars let alone 2.31 trillion dollars amazing i mean i mean what could they buy for 2.31 trillion dollars how how many (laughs) how much land they could start their own country Have a have a GDP that just rivals most other nations. I mean, holy heavens, massive, absolutely massive. It to me, when I look at Apple and I see the amount of money that's rolling through. I know some people will stop at that and go, oh, my gosh, that's disgusting. But for me, I look at that and I think, you know what? There's a possibility here, and I see Apple doing some good things, and I see Apple investing into some good R and D, and I think like like the current Apple Silicon is is a good example of that. I would like them to take little bits of different approaches to certain things, uh, maybe maybe lean into a right to repair and and user serviceability a bit more, um, like at all. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be a good thing, but just the same. I think there's a real possibility for Apple to push modern technology forward in in some interesting ways, and I, I I'm curious to see what they will do with that market cap over the coming years, because it's one of those things where you know you you have that much money and you either turn into Iron Man or Lex Luthor, you know what I mean? Like you <laughs> you don't have a couple trillion dollars rumbling around in your pocket i, I know that's not how it works i know apple I, I know tim cook isn't just sitting there with a couple trillion dollars in his pocket that's just their market cap but still it's a lot of money that they've got access to you don't have that much money and not go one way or the other you don't just sit as just this pure neutral entity <laughs> you you eventually turn like you become a hero and you save the day and do something amazing or you become a villain or or something right like you become an interesting comic book character and I, and i think that's that's kind of the direction apple is headed they used to be the scrappy underdog now they're 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 the goliath they're the 800 pound gorilla there was a time when you know we used to point to IBM as the evil empire right IBM was the evil empire. That's what we, we named them that. And then as the years went on and, and IBM, at least in the computer industry, had some falters and missteps. And then Microsoft became that gorilla, that big, mean, 800-pound gorilla, and they became the evil empire. And then everyone started calling Microsoft the evil empire. And now here we are, and there's a lot of big gorillas rumbling around in the tech world right now. This is kind of a new thing where we've got so many big tech gorillas. Usually there's just like one. There's one giant gorilla and then a couple of fun monkeys, <laughs> you know, like IBM. And then then Microsoft was like a fun monkey for a while back in the early 80s. And Apple was a fun monkey, Commodore and Atari, you know, they were just fun monkeys. And then IBM was the, the gorilla. Then Microsoft was the gorilla, and you know Apple still was a monkey, and Next, and Bee Incorporated, and Palm, and all these other monkeys running around, and they were adorable. Now we have like five gorillas, and I feel like they're going to be in a cage match at some point. <laughs> and, and Apple is one of the most powerful. It is, a, it is truly interesting to see what, what they do with that do they become the evil empire or do they kind of go more of pull like a Tony Stark and become like a, a misunderstood hero adventurer. (laughs) I just really want to see what happens with Apple here. I'm really, truly interested because Apple has had such an up and down roller coaster of a history. There have been times where Apple, Apple was the champion of the right to repair user serviceable Pushing technology into the hands of the people where, where it just wasn't as accessible before. I mean, the things they came up with. In multiple times, in multiple decades, Apple has done some amazing things. And at the same time, Apple has been kind of a jerk sometimes. So it can kind of go both ways. What are they going to do now? I'm I'm very curious. Uh, I'm legitimately curious. It really could go a lot of directions, and I'm going to try my best. I have a very long history with Apple. I've worked with them very closely on a number of di- with a number of different companies and projects and whatnot, and uh, I'm going to try and not let my my past experience cloud my appreciation or disdain for whatever it is they do next. I'm just going to try and evaluate it for its for its with its own merit. So we'll see. Now for something that I just completely disdain though, let's turn let's turn our, our attention to Microsoft. So Microsoft is getting sued for GitHub Copilot, which friggin' about Time. I mean, copilot, of course, is the artificial intelligence, which is another fancy name for a giant select case statement or a weird if-then loop. Um, if-then loop. What, what does that even mean? Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that that inserts random bits of code. Not random, but r- inserts code selected from. Every project ever uploaded to github that it thinks that you would find helpful in your current code and it completely ignores Whatever license that original code had and it ignores whatever license your code has And it ignores whether or not that code was in a closed or open It's it's absolutely insane Um, so according to bleeping computer the uh, Joseph Severi Law Firm has filed a lawsuit against Microsoft. Quote, The complaint was submitted to the U.S. District Court of the Northern District of California demanding the approval of statutory damages of, wait for it, $9 billion. <laughs> Each time Copilot provides an unlawful output, it violates Section 1202 three times. Distributing the licensed materials without one, attribution, two, copyright notice, and three, license terms, reads the complaint. So if each user receives just one output that violates Section 1202 throughout their time using Copilot, up to 15 months for the earliest adopters, then GitHub and OpenAI have violated the Digital Millennium's Copyright Act 3.6% million times at minimum statutory damages of $2,500 per violation. That translates to $9 billion. Crikey. Here's the crazy thing. That number is way underestimated, right? They are clearly going for, this, this law firm is going for just kind of like the minimum amount of times that this could have been violated the reality is there are people that use the co-pilot feature religiously and have used it tremendously and so therefore the odds of it only being 3.6 million individual uses is astronomically small Microsoft, realistically, if we're going to be just, let's follow the law here. Microsoft should provide detailed reports of every instance that this was used. So we know not only, A, how many times code was, was inserted, which violated Section 1202 three times for each of those times, and which author who holds the copyright was wronged so that way because at every violation at at 2500 per violation that means that each of those authors is is liable to receive for some of them who, whose code gets reused throughout uh, copilot uh, probably more than others some of those people could be receiving millions and millions of dollars from Microsoft. And here's the thing. A. That's ridiculous. Right? It seems ridiculous that Microsoft should have to pay that. But B. That's the law. Microsoft knew. They knew flat out that they what they were doing was breaking the law because they were violating those licenses flagrantly and re ridiculously, absolutely asininely how how off the charts and flagrant this was. Now my my personal feeling here, because there's no there's no corner of reality. There is no part of the multiverse where the people developing copilot were not aware that they were pulling code, from GPL code, MIT code, proprietary licenses, BS, all over the place. They knew what they were doing, and they've made statements that, that people behind behind GitHub have made statements that they need to be able to do this. They need to be able to steal people's code. But I'm going to posit that this was on purpose. I put a I put up a little a little piece of satire that I'm going to read to you now. I put this out uh, yesterday it, because I, I was thinking about this. And this is satire, what I'm about to read to you. But it's rooted in something that I think Microsoft did on purpose. Microsoft declares ownership of all open source software. In a stunning move, Microsoft Corporation has declared complete and total ownership of all open source software. Yeah, it's mine, stated CEO Satya Nadella. All of it. Linux? Mine. KDE? Mine. Kubernetes? I don't even know what that is, but it's mine. The legal justification for this sweeping move appears to be a little-known portion of the GitHub Terms of Service known as the, quote, Finders Keepers Clause. Under Finders Keepers, any source code that Microsoft can find can be used, regardless of how the source code is licensed by Microsoft, up to and including full declaration of ownership. Quote, We tested this out with GitHub Copilot, stated Nadella. We took every scrap of code we could find and just started inserting that code into everyone's project. Didn't matter if it was GPL, the proprietary, or whatever. We just did it. And nobody stopped us, so we decided to take it to the next level. The Lunduk Journal reached out to the Linux Foundation for comment. Unfortunately, they were unable to provide a response at this time, as they were, quote, counting their sweet, sweet piles of cheddar. In other news, Richard Stallman's head has exploded. So, <laughs> so obviously that's satire, but the whole the whole thought here is that Microsoft knew what they were doing. They took code that other people had the copyright on and licensing for. They did not attribute them. They did not give credit for them. They did not inform the, the end users of what the licenses or the copyrights or the attribution or any of it was. Which basically is Microsoft's way of saying everything that's on GitHub We can do whatever the heck we want to with it, because they did. They literally did whatever they wanted to with it. Think about this. Did anyone at Microsoft develop any software using GitHub Copilot? It's worth thinking about for a moment, because if that is the case, if anyone... Any software developer used GitHub Copilot in the development of any software of any Microsoft products; those products are now vulnerable to many, many audits and probably broke many laws. What, what if what if that code that that GitHub Copilot pulled in was GPL'd? Well, every scrap of code now from that project needs to be available on request under the GPL license. What if someone used Copilot in the development of a component of Windows? Oh, I'm not joking around here. Microsoft knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They just got called on it. Now it's going to be very interesting to see what what the judge says in this case because that's going to that's going to determine whether or not any of this stuff can be held up. Because if you can put up a bunch of GPL code, I mean, how many GPL projects are in GitHub? It's huge. I mean, whether we like it or not, GitHub is sort of the central repository of the open source world. Yeah, there's other repositories out there, several of them, and they're great. But GitHub's the core. I mean, I, I mean, I know as, as I go through every week reporting on different open source projects most of them point to a github repository which means all of those are indexed in theory by Copilot, and in theory inserted into other projects oh oh it's going to be interesting to watch what happens here this could have huge, sweeping ramifications across the entire software industry. <clears throat> and, and what it means for Microsoft could be severe, or it could mean that Microsoft just simply owns everything that's ever been uploaded to GitHub. One of the two. In other news that makes me want to stab a spoon through my eyeball, Microsoft has released Teams, Microsoft Teams, for Linux as a progressive web app going to read the quote here because about 30 of these words made me feel homicidal uh maybe it's just because i'm feeling cranky at microsoft right now quote we're excited to announce the general availability of support for the microsoft teams progressive web app or pwa as a feature of our current web client for Linux customers. Linux customers who rely on Microsoft Teams for collaboration and communication needs told us they want the full richness of Teams features available for their use in a secure way. This can now be achieved using the Teams PWA. Additionally, the PWA enables us to ship the latest Microsoft Teams features faster to our Linux customers and help us bridge the gap between the Teams desktop client on Linux and Windows. The PWA experience is available for both edge and chrome browsers running on linux the pwa offers access to more capabilities including custom backgrounds gallery view reactions the raise a hand feature in meetings as well as a large gallery and together mode views the pwa also provides a desktop-like app i can't read anymore Uh, just uh, you can click on the link and read the rest of it Uh, here's the thing Did they use Copilot during the development of Teams Progressive Web App? (laughs) If so, legally they probably need to release it under some source code license. I would like to find out. There needs to be an audit across the entire organization at Microsoft to determine which developers ever touched GitHub or GitHub Copilot as they were working on these projects. Not not joking. Uh, moving on to Linux side of things for a moment. So Canonical, it's been a while. It's been a while since Canonical has had an in-person event. Uh, they've had they haven't had their Ubuntu Summit for a while. You know, pandemic and then and then other stuff. But so they haven't had one in person for a while. Well, they just they're right now. They had their Ubuntu Summit 2022, and. It's kind of interesting to look at because it shows you what Canonical feels is the future of Ubuntu and and, and that Ubuntu is a big, a big part of the Linux world. And so it's kind of interesting seeing where they expect to go. Um, They've got sessions. Interestingly, if you look through their sessions list, it's all over the map. And that is somewhat reassuring because you see things on Amazon Web Services, but you also see things on using the KDE desktop on Ubuntu or um, uh, the UB ports, the continuation of Ubuntu Touch or um, a a number of other just community-run projects. I like that. It's nice to see a pretty diverse Selection of different kinds of projects being represented. But from the company itself, um, they had keynotes specifically on the Windows subsystem for Linux, uh, WSL. And Ubuntu for a 10-ton steel press and your window shades. Ubuntu Core at a glance. Ubuntu Core is their Internet of Things slimmed-down version of Ubuntu. Basically, a trimmed-down Ubuntu with snappy package management. And that's kind of what Ubuntu Core is, more or less. It is their, their Internet of Things, you know, solution. And there did seem to be a very, very strong emphasis when you looked through the keynotes and what the canonical people themselves were talking about um a very strong emphasis on the internet of things which is interesting because talking about the internet of things kind of has died out a little bit recently but they're really focused on that and uh ubuntu core and how ubuntu core will benefit the internet of things and then how snappy package management which is astoundingly unpopular among among just desktop users a lot of People do like it but um by and large it's 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 caused more consternation than not but those have been the emphasis and uh uh, i I linked to an article over on the register because the register talked to um one of the keynoters uh from canonical about this and got the same impression that ubuntu core internet of things and snap packaging were really the the emphasis uh that that canonical wanted people to walk away with from ubuntu summit 2022 um so what what does that mean what does that really legitimately mean for the future of ubuntu and on the one hand it means good things it means that canonical and ubuntu are aware of the many uses of ubuntu Uh, Running it on Raspberry Pis and ARM devices, um, uh, multiple different desktop environments, a lot of different uses in multimedia and all, all over the map, right? They recognize that and give those different uses of Ubuntu space within their Ubuntu Summit. I like that right that's a good thing that 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 helps to showcase the versatility of their platform of linux in general and of ubuntu in particular that's fantastic and it also gives exposure to uh, a a wide variety of different kinds of projects love it love it I, i would love to see more of that going forward right that's a great thing and i want to applaud when people do the right sorts of steps that that kind of help grow the coolness and the funness of computing i want to applaud that and they did that there on the flip side it also shows that a continued trend of canonical themselves distancing themselves from the desktop side of things Um, and that sort of makes sense they found mechanisms to monetize non-desktop usage of Ubuntu, but not so much the desktop side of things, right? At at least not to, to any real scalable extent. So we're looking at Ubuntu Core, Internet of Things, Snappy, the Windows subsystem for Linux as kind of a big focus. So what happens when the needs of those things... The money makers for Canonical or at least the perceived future money makers for for Canonical come into conflict with the desires of a of a crazy hodgepodge ragtag group of, of desktop users that are kind of all over the map in terms of what they want to use Ubuntu for. What happens when they come into conflict? And we see a little bit of that happening right now with Snappy, right? Because people, you know, you have snappy packaged applications like Firefox that results in Firefox on current Ubuntu running significantly slower and starting slower than on other platforms and having difficulty uh, accessing resources on the local machine, including just printing out web pages. So right now, because of the approach of Snappy and Ubuntu Core and the Internet of Things and all of those sorts of things, we're seeing the desktop version of Ubuntu being hindered, right? It doesn't have to be that way, but that's the way it is because they're they're two completely contrarian goals. Two totally different views about about what the future of the platform is. And occasionally they're going to line up Maybe, fingers crossed, hopefully most of the time they'll line up and they'll be in the same direction. But when they're not, like, like having snappy packaged Firefox and the like, they felt like earlier this year. Canonical released statements saying, you know, they realized it was slower. They realized people weren't able to print. They realized there was all sorts of problems with having their, that particular web browser wrapped in a snappy package, but they were going to fix it and they were going to focus on it. And the improvements were at best marginal when the next release came around in October of this year, six months later, and most of the problems still persisted. And I think the, the, the root cause of that is in order to effectively fix the at least at least some of the big problems there with snappy packaging and the like, you end up having to redesign some of it for the desktop, which it really wasn't built for. And so and so that's interesting to see where is this gonna go over the next couple of releases. It, it in my opinion uh between now and the next say 2 to 3 6 month releases of ubuntu i think you're going to see some serious growing pains as as ubuntu is either going to need to break into 2 completely different platforms the iot ubuntu and and the desktop ubuntu where they really they really have some significantly different structure and and architecture in order to in order to meet the needs and the desires of the communities and peoples that are using each individual product or one of them is going to have to start suffering in increasing amounts I mean, I mean, unless the engineers at Canonical and Ubuntu can just whip out some some crazy engineering magic, which has been known to happen from time to time. But I have my doubts. I have my doubts. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, So the this Ubuntu Summit 2022, it feels like Ubuntu and Canonical have their head kind of on straight. But I think they feel conflicted. They they don't necessarily seem to know where they're going. Um, So we're going to watch, we're going to watch, we're going to be optimistic, (laughs) but slightly critical, (laughs) but optimistic, but a little critical as we watch and see what they do over the coming, uh, over the coming releases. All right, everybody. Uh, that's the normal news for this week. Uh, be sure to come back on Sunday for all the weird news. Coming over and hang out in the Lunduk Journal community. We've got Haiku Week going on right now. Uh, so if you want to try the Haiku operating system out, now's a fun time to do so. A whole bunch of us are installing it in virtual machines and on laptops and desktops and trying out different operating systems. And some of us are having a, a horrible time trying to get things working. Other Others of us are having a great time and everything's just working like gangbusters it's all over the map and and i expect it to be that way all week as we try out new stuff it's a really fascinating and fun system so uh come come and check it out uh, once again, the lifetime subscriptions, they no new lifetime subscriptions uh, will be available starting midnight on Friday, November 9th. Uh, just the regular standard subscriptions monthly and yearly and the founding member subscriptions will be available going forward. Uh, so if you want to take advantage of the lifetime thing, do it now um, or just stick to the other ones. No worries either way, but now you've been told, so therefore I have done my part. (laughs) All right, everybody. End of podcast.